Hello and welcome to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy's Wicker from New England Curiosities. Along with my sidekick, the amazing Ken. Hello. And the professor, Lou Classy, who's waving behind the window there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we The camera's up, so that's, uh, that's, that's new and different. I was going to say How that, about that? That's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. yeah. All at the same time. I know. <laughs> we, we won't. We won't expect it to happen every time, but no. we'll, we'll take it today. Um, of course, we are a show of the mysterious, the macabre, the strange, and the wicked curious. Always wicked curious. Always wicked curious. So we uh, we just did something that well. I shouldn't say we. We. <laughs> I shouldn't say we, um, because I actually did a ghost tour on Saturday in Portsmouth. For uh, kind of post Valentine's Day, the day after Valentine's Day, even though it was freezing, even, even <laughs> though it was absolutely freezing, mm-hmm. um, Ken was nice enough to uh, sit in the car and keep the car warm with a nice warm drink for me when I was done. Oh. That, did, didn't he just go all outdoors, Lou? I made the sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, that was. I, she honestly, did chug that hot drink right down. I honestly can't tell if she's happy about that or. A little angered by don't, that. Don't be fooled. <laughs> don't, don't be fooled. I, I, I flipped back and forth like three times during that, that whole comment. No, she's not happy. Yeah, you yeah she's that. happy. No, she's not happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Mysterious Ken, indeed. Ken volunteered to, uh, to make sure that he held down that portion right. of the evening. Um, nicely done, Ken. But a good time was had by all. Actually, though. a good time was had by all. I was I was a little bit concerned because it was um, it was probably about twenty eight degrees, and we had a sold out tour. We don't normally do walking tours um, off season, you know, January, February. March. Although that was better than the night before when it was about seven degrees. Yeah. So twenty four was wow was a plus. So it, it's still under freezing though. Yes. Yeah, I looked at my phone that day and it said it's going to be seventy degrees warmer today, and seven degrees warmer was like twenty four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'll yeah. take it. Thanks. I, I was like, yeah. wow. Sweet. But, uh, of course, it was one of those wonderful tours where it was greeted at the end with the resounding sound of mittens clapping. <laughs> There's nothing like mittens nothing applause. like mittens clapping. Um, but it was great. Um, everybody was, was really wonderful. In fact, we didn't lose a single person on the tour. They we were... had, like, couples on anniversaries and we everything. We did. We had couples really? on anniversaries. We had people that couldn't celebrate Valentine's Day because they were working. So they had come out to take the tour. The Saturday well, after is fair. Yeah, Saturday to after is. Yeah, you can. You can yeah, if, it was just the very you, next day. Yeah, if you even choose to Yeah, but to you've got a pre-qualified that. crowd. If they're doing a walking tour and... Portsmouth, New Hampshire in February, and they're buying it willingly. Yes, you know, they're hearty souls. They, they, have, they, to, they have to yeah. know. They're down for it. Yeah, they yeah. were. They yeah. were. They were bundled up and had their scarves and stuff on. And it was really kind of cool because um, we got to because the tour was earlier. We usually don't do walking tours that early in the day. Um, we brought everybody over into the music hall so they could sit in the lobby and warm up. And I did the ghost stories in there. And we actually did you show them the Phantom. No, no, Ken. I decided on, on this tour not to show no, them the don't, Phantom. Don't look at it on the wall yeah, don't, over there. I'm going to stand here. Don't look at the Phantom of the Music Hall. I'm don't, not telling you. Don't look. Don't tell. Um, and we actually went into the Hotel Portsmouth for a change, which we typically don't do. And when we went in the front room, there was a nice roaring fire. Oh, nice. There were seats all around the room, so it really set a nice tone for the ghost story. So we weren't outside the entire time. We were inside for about you know ten minutes at each each of those locations to warm up. But that helps. It was great because people at the end of the tour were even inviting me out for dinner. They're like, "You must be cold. Come nice. on out for dinner." Asking for hugs. I got a hug. Take out the it dinner, and you went and left Ken in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Trust me, I thought about it, Lou. But then I was, uh, you know, I couldn't leave that hot chai behind. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So um, it was great, and um, thank you to everybody that had come out to that. Um, it was one I wasn't really sure if people were going to last more than 15 minutes. We tried to keep the tour moving. Of course, Portsmouth is, you can go five feet, and there's a ghost story. So there was an awful lot we were able to cover. That they were day. really into it. So. Yeah, they were great. Everybody and usually most everybody can handle that, but this January is pretty warm. We're not used to it. That, that was kind of a little slap to us. 
It was. That weather this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It had been so mild, and then yeah. it got cold. Yep. Yeah, it got really cold. And, of course, sometimes we've been out, you know, on tours in October, and it's been, you know, like 45 oh, degrees, yeah. and people are like, oh, my God, it's freezing. Oh, so, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that yeah. happens, too. So uh, today on our our show today, and hello to everybody. Look at all you Look, folks. Texas, Newberry You got everybody in there. Hello to all of you wonderful people. Thank you so much for listening. Um, of course, if you're not familiar with New England Curiosities, by the way, you can check us out at newenglandcuriosities.com. Um, I'll be shortly going into my 20th year of doing ghost stories uh, on tours for <laughs> God for Portsmouth right. very shortly, and actually started doing ghost tours back in 1994. And other New England points. And other New England points. We're all over New England. We have a lot of really fun things happening um, this year. For New England Curiosities, we'll be taking our show on the road to places like West Virginia. I'll be down in Providence next month. So there's a lot of things that we have um, happening that's going to bring us off of the seacoast and perhaps closer to your backyard. So make sure you subscribe to our newsletter so you can find out and be first as to what's happening. We have an Oracle card deck that's going to be coming out this year yeah. as well, um, all about graveyards. And it seems appropriate that we might as well talk about graveyards yes. today. And Wait a second, just because we can't let this pass. Is the Kickstarter still scheduled? For Kickstarter is scheduled yep. for May 1st. It's the Memento Mori Oracle. Mm -hmm. And it is a divination and history deck of some of the most famous and some of the oldest burial grounds in New England. So if you like walking through burial grounds and graveyards and ever wondered about the symbolism and kind of the spiritual aspect of it too, ghosts, this is really what this deck is going to encompass with 58 cards. And it's something that's really unique and I've been working on for about five years. So I'm super excited so to introduce time. that. Super history, exciting. the mystery, and the mm -hmm. divinatory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're actually going to have it printed. Divinatory, that was impressive. Yeah, the divinatory. divinatory. <laughs> All in one deck. It's <laughs> if I had if I had a penny to give you, I would. So um, we're actually having it printed in um, Augusta, Maine, as well. So keeping it local, keeping it green, and I'm just really excited about that. So yeah, yeah, you gotta check it out. No, and Lou, you're so good. Look at you popping it right yep. up there. There, there it is. You can see some images from uh, Mount Auburn, Forest Hills, uh, Lowell, um, Arlington, Vermont. It's really a, a wonderful spectrum of amazing monuments, stone carvings, history. You'll learn a little bit more about the gravestones themselves and the folks that are buried beneath them. And if there's a ghost story or two, we'll be sure to share that um, in the of book course. as well. So uh, we, we've been busy editing uh, some of the passages in the book just this past week, and we're really just super excited, and it's going to be here before you know it. So again, you can subscribe to our newsletter to uh, be the first to see and, and learn a little bit more about it. But um, as, as I mentioned, I wanted to talk a little bit more about graveyards. In Portsmouth, we have something that's very, very exciting. And when I mentioned it to our tour on Saturday and brought everybody over to the site, people were very intrigued with what's about to happen there. So we've mentioned in Portsmouth that we have the African burying ground. It's the country's oldest uh, enslaved African burying ground dating back to 1705. It's right in downtown, and many of the graves are beneath our houses and businesses and hotels, and it was dug It's up. hard to even picture it now, there's so many houses there. Well, and at the time, that was the outskirts of Portsmouth, mm -hmm. you know, downtown Portsmouth. Too. Yeah, it was Strawberry Bank and along the Piscataqua. So when, when the site was dug up accidentally in 2003, they had exhumed uh, several bodies out of there. Some were reburied, but they had kept two. And it was just announced a few weeks ago that there is going to be some DNA testing Ooh. on the remains that were dug up over there. And that hopefully will give the folks some idea a little bit more about the people that were buried mm -hmm. there. And you have to imagine, you know, back in the 1700s, there were there were no grave markers for enslaved Africans. Um, you're you're very very lucky if you were able to find any grave of theirs that is marked. Um, there is one over in the North Cemetery in Portsmouth that's marked. There's a couple of that we've seen um, in various places um, down in Newport, Rhode Island. They actually have a section of the burial ground that's called God's Little Acre for enslaved Africans in Newport, Rhode Island. And every so often we'll, you know, pop by one and you'll just see that this was someone that was thought well enough of to be buried in with the rest of the community. Usually they were isolated like they were in Portsmouth. Usually the exception more than the rule, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was very excited to find that they are still 
I'm trying to figure out what this burial ground is all about and a little bit more about who these people were. And of course, it has been properly marked. Um, I, I have to tell you, naturally, there are a lot of ghost stories uh, within that area as well. As you know, as we walk down Court Street, everybody seems to have a story. And uh, it's, it's yeah, the residents of these houses, they. Hmm. Imagine that. They have ghost stories. They do. They do. And uh, I st- <laughs> we got a call from my uh, my State Farm agent <laughs> a few weeks <laughs> which ago. Is, uh, which is on the end to, of the burial uh, ground. She, yeah, her, her, uh, her building is, is uh, right, you know, right at the site pretty much. And uh, we were going in to talk about uh, my policy. So I stopped in to talk about my policy. And I only ended up talking about my policy for five minutes because she wanted to talk about the burial ground and the ghosts in Portsmouth for the next 45 minutes. So it was uh, a little bit more than, um, than than I was bargaining for in that appointment, but that's okay. Um, How many people can say that? You know, my, I go to my you know insurance agency and we talk about ghosts there, I, too. I know. It's, oh, it's you're Roxy. Be, well, I can tell you this. Oh, come on in. Of Let's course. Talk. And um, she was very concerned about where the building that she's in, which she went back and did the research and it dates back to the 1940s. Um, she actually had somebody come in and clear the space when it was dug up um, several years ago. They came in and did some, uh, you know, space clearing and some sage and all of that. So honestly, you just never, never know. And, you know, people come on the tours and I think they have a preconceived notion about who your typical person is that is seeing and talking about ghosts. But I, I'm telling you, we have heard stories from some of the most unlikely people. So. Well, they find you. Well, they well, lawyers, right? Oh, yeah. Firemen, police, oh, yeah. you name it. Yeah, every judges. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Judges, Superior, right. Superior Court judge in Portsmouth. You'd be really surprised. So, um, so there'll be more to come on that. We're going to follow that story very closely, and yeah, this would be really interesting yeah, to see the results. Yeah, that is one of the pictures that I show on um, on my tour. That was before the memorial was built. And when I used to show that picture, so if if you can't see the picture on the screen and if you're listening to us on podcast, uh, it's a photograph um, from approximately 2003 from the GPR scan, so ground penetrating radar. And it outlines where a series of remains and coffins have been discovered. And we're looking at a little side street. So this is actually Chestnut. It's kind of like the Chestnut Street extension between State and Court Street. And come to find out, GPR revealed just on this segment of street, which is barely an acre, that there are 60 people that are buried there. I mean, look at them all just laid so out you in can, row, you, Yeah, and if you look really closely, notice the house on the left by the stop sign. And that house um, sold a few years ago for, it was just over $800,000. It's an Airbnb right now. And um, the GPR scan reveals the coffins are right up against the foundation of that house. Hmm. So, so imagine the ones that are under the house. They have right. to be. So of of course you know when you know when they pour the foundation for that house or you know establish that foundation for the house, what was displaced over there? Disturbed. Yeah. They displaced. ran into right. they ran into burial sites. And and yeah. and when you go back, you know, previous to two thousand and three, and start looking at some of the handwritten accounts, this site had actually been dug up back in the eighteen hundreds several times. But yeah. The sensitivity and thought process was very different at that time. Yeah. So it wasn't like you know, we need to build a memorial. It was like, okay, we're just going to cover this up and just work around it. Plus, we've it. talked about this before with contractors and excavators and things like that. That's just a pain. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's a paperwork gonna, pain. It's, it's oh, going to sure. cost them money and time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We should have an excavator on sometime from Portsmouth and Newburyport. That I bet they've be, seen yeah, something. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. We've we've talked to a few contractors in Portsmouth, and there was one location. They said they climbed out of the hole because they experienced something supernatural, and they were really? done for the day. They were done for the day. They, they were done. They're, they're like, nope, yeah. we're done. <laughs> so honestly, you have no idea, particularly if you know if you're if you're digging in you know a city as old as Portsmouth. Yeah. You, and and you know even in New England, you know Native American remains, the shell mounds that you'll find over in Marblehead. There's a lot that's going on beneath the surface. And um, Portsmouth, this was when I first started showing this picture to people on the tours. They couldn't believe it. They're like, what? No. They're like, we're standing right there. There's there's the memorial today. Opposite view. But also keep in mind, when you're looking at this memorial picture, in order to build this memorial, there was also some disturbance of the ground that was there as well. So it was um, it was really just it, and it still is um, quite the amazing stop on on our uh, Saturday night tour. This is where we actually 
um, our next to last stop. And people sometimes just stand there silently just contemplating, you know, what's mm -hmm. beneath their feet. And you're, you have cars whizzing by you and Portsmouth is very bustling anyways. And then just to imagine, you know, just how different it was and, and how, you know, almost forgotten. But I don't mean to minimize this in any point, mm -hmm. but this is New England, right? It is there, New England. There's stuff between, there's stuff under your feet. Oh, of course. Well, well, yeah, the, this, they're still finding this surprises every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, also all those burials from the burials from the last picture were all disturbed to do this, right? And they're reinterred now in a in a chamber. So there's a, a large chamber down where the uh, the large group of people are that you can see, and it's a hollow chamber, and that's where what was disturbed was placed in there. Everything was cataloged and chronicled. Above ground chamber. It, it, it it's well, it, it's under. It, it's it's underground. Under, yeah. So if you if you lift the circle, it's it's a really nice. Yeah, nice it's got space. this huge stone circular tablet over it. Mm -hmm. There's the construction. Yes. Kind of that, yeah. You can see the circular tablet in the um, in the picture. Yeah, there. I yep. remember um, going down there during construction on our tours and again trying to talk to people about what was what was happening right there. And they were bringing field trips down there. Yeah, school and, kids and explaining kind of the process of what was happening. And it's still still even to this day we're not done with this story from 2003 we're still trying to figure it out and, and what's going on and the extent of it and yeah, this is still just a small portion mm, of the uh, burial ground valerie cunningham from the black heritage trail in portsmouth maintains that there's probably 300 people underneath the block wow that's right there and and that's very that's very substantial and to walk through this part of town it's it's almost hard to conceive of again today because it's modern portsmouth However, if you take a look at the houses, you'll see they're 1800s, yep. largely in this block. So newer than the it, cemetery. It, so it's 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 a secret that's been underneath our streets for a, a long time. Um, and of course, there are so many secrets that are still being revealed. And one story, if you are listening from the uh, southern New England area in Connecticut, they've actually oh, oh yeah, there's yeah, look yeah, at this. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, so if you can't, um, if you're, again, if you're listening on podcast, Lou has brought up a uh, photograph of one of the first excavations of a coffin and remains from the dig site there. And again, keep in mind, this is a busy, busy street that people were driving over. And this was, you know, Every right, day, right yeah. below them, people, you know, walking above it. And, and <coughs> there's... You know, there's a, a lot of different opinions that, that people have had, different ways people have reacted to this site on our tour. Um, but it is, it's hallowed ground, no matter what way you look yeah. at it. And it's a, it's a good opportunity to give pause and mm -hmm. contemplate, mm -hmm. you know, what went on. Mm -hmm. yeah. And to understand what slavery was like here in New England. And when I first started talking about that in Portland, a lot of people would debate with me. No, no, we didn't have. Yeah, we didn't have. Pull, yeah. yeah, we didn't have slavery up here. And, yeah. you know that was a southerly thing. Indentured servants, and we can we can tell you, you know, where where in town they were sold. There's the chamber. Yeah, before the the cover was on. It's yeah, before the cover was on, and you can right you can there. see some of the the remains, and those those coffins were actually made um, over in from a meeting house for uh, Africans in Kittery. Really? And they had saved the timbers when it was taken down, and uh, they had decided to donate um, the wood for, uh, for this memorial site. So it's, um, it's really, really just, just incredible, really amazing just to stand on that site. And if you're any kind of intuitive or empathetic, you can really feel the energy that's there. Yeah, it's really something else. And um, the, this, the other story that I wanted to mention is one that has just come to light in Connecticut. And digging beneath someone's house, you know, you talk about skeletons in the closet. We have skeletons in the basement. Ooh. And initially it was believed that they had found two skeletons in construction of this house in December and come to find out, they just found two more. Wow. So now there's four skeletons mm. in the basement. Yeah. In basement. And they are believed uh, to be uh, Revolutionary War soldiers. Perhaps there, there might be British soldiers there as well. Um, it's in a, a town called Ridgefield, Connecticut, which is in Fairfield County. The house itself is from the 1700s. And they pretty much pulled the skeletons out from underneath the foundation and one of what i think is the most amazing finds in regards to this dig is 
one of them had been wearing a coat or um, some kind of shirt that had 28 brass buttons. Oh. And they were able to find them as part of the site. Also, in examining the remains that were found underneath this house, they believed that they were very robust young men and most likely um, were soldiers. They're currently being analyzed and they're trying to figure out uh, exactly who these people might be. Um, it's, it's a, again, it's a private home, so you can't go and explore it, but there, it's been making all of the news. So we're going to have to find out what's happening with that reveal. And as they examine the remains and it's, it's very difficult to piece that together mm -hmm. and determine, you know, were they, you know, on the revolutionary side, were they British soldiers? Well, they feel the examining the buttons might help them identify. Correct. And they, they are. What they were wearing. Right. They are severely corroded. Wow. But they, they can tell that they are brass and they're hoping to get some sort of insignia off of them so they can determine, you know, who, who they were. Is it possible the building imprinted on a, a graveyard or a collection of burials? Have they explored the rest of the. Well, what's interesting? Property. Well, they they have been exploring, um, particularly now since they just found the other two um, a few weeks ago. What's fascinating about that is it doesn't necessarily have to be a burial ground. What you might have are people who may have gotten into a skirmish, who may have died on the walk, and they would typically uh, yeah. bury them right where they fell. And right. you'll find that all over, um, particularly Concord, Massachusetts, has a lot of information about that where it, you know, it wasn't any particular notable site, yet there so were people that were buried there. That would be a battlefield, and there were several casualties, and they just buried them right there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have the ability to preserve them and take them along. Yeah. No, and there would be no coffins or anything in right. particular. And they haven't found coffins? With these? No, they haven't mm -hmm. found coffins. Um, in, good indication, right there. That is a good indication. However, they are buried in the typical, you know, east-facing. So if they were to rise up out of their graves, they would be facing oh, to they? the east. Mm. Yeah, oh, which is really cool. Yeah. So it's it's really incredible that this has just been unearthed, and then who knows what else is under there? So in the span of two months, no, no, they, they found, found two, two more. more, and there's potentially who knows there could right. even be more. Did they get sick and die on the march? Was there a battle there? Mm -hmm. It's like wow. Yeah, what were what were the conditions? And again, yeah. it's going to take a lot of extensive details of you know looking at the skeletons and examining the remains to see if they can still even figure that out if they were sick. But at least they can tell us they were you know they were robust, mm -hmm. they, they were young, they were tell soldiers. Their age. Mm -hmm. And imagine. I mean, a coat with twenty nine buttons. They were probably fairly important. They probably mm -hmm. were brass buttons. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Look at this. Yeah, Lou's, Lou's on it. Lou well, that's is from pushing the, the buttons Ridgefield there. Ridgefield Press. That looks kind of outside, not inside, but it's from a Ridgefield Press article about the about the soldiers. Oh, yeah. But they found in the basement and under the foundation. Under so the, the foundation. foundation. was like sitting on top of them. Right. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. So, so they may have dug from the outside. Yeah. So they didn't. It just kind of indicates they didn't even know when they built that they were there. Oh, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. So uh, it seems. imagine you're living in this house all these years and you're like, you know, I got this construction project I have to do and you start deconstructing your basement and there they are. What a surprise. Isn't that incredible? I mean, wow. Yeah, you just never know. You, you really don't. I mean, it, pro it probably doesn't even have to be an old house. No. Even people don't travel in these circles. You find out people are buried in your basement. That's going to. It's going to give you some pause. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. To say the least. <laughs> All right. So yeah, the article states bit. that they may be remains from the Battle of Ridgefield in okay. 1777. Okay. Uh, between the American and British forces during the American Revolutionary War, the main battle, battle was fought in the village of Ridgefield, Connecticut, on April 27th, 1777. Uh, see what details here. But apparently there was a, a battle down there. Well, and, and I wonder if that was the actual battle site or in proximity to where that happened, what this No, that would make was. a lot of sense because mm. after the battle, they'd go pick up the Well, the and oftentimes and battles ended in a chase. Right. You know, the retreating people would, True. would try to exit and they'd be followed. Right. So it could have been, didn't, wouldn't have to be on the main battlefield right. necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, so like it could be that, that similar situation that we found in Concord where you know they were they were killed and buried right where they lay mm -hmm. you know with and that's you know that was without 
without ceremony, you know, any of these situations, particularly ones that, that I've researched, and again, there, there may be, you know, other theories on this, but they just wanted to dispose of the dead mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. So yeah. essentially just digging the whole place in them in there, you know, perhaps the quick prayer and then onwards. There yep. was no time they for were, they were ceremony. Able to, they were able to give it enough thought, though, to bury him to the east. Right. In this article is an uh, interesting side note about uh, Sybil, Sybil's ride. Sybil uh, Ludington was a 16-year-old daughter of a Dutchess County Colonel Henry Ludington, who was a, performed a significant service for the Patriot cause before the battle. An exhausted messenger arrived in the Ludington house to inform them of the British advance on Danbury. She volunteered to ride through the country to mount up the militia uh, comparable to the ride of Paul Revere to raise the alarm at Lexington and Concord. She rode more than 40 miles through a rainy night, alerting Patriots and avoiding loyalists to raise troops. Ludington's men were too late to assist at Ridgefield, but they formed part of the force that harassed the British on their return to the beach. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm. 16 years old, just hopping on a horse, covering yep. 40 miles. 40 miles. 40 miles. Yeah, let's take a ride to Quincy on a horse <laughs> tonight right. in the rain. On this cold, rainy night. With uh, enemy troops. Yeah, encroaching. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. You know, she believed that much in the cause. Well, Someone and, had and, to do it. And, and many did. I mean, I'm Someone sure Someone else she... who needs a statue. I know. Right. Who's I, we, the woman we, we talked about a couple weeks ago? It was in Newcastle. She was dumping yeah. out the water. Dumping right. out she the water out the British, yeah. off the British ship. That While they, they went into yeah. town for yeah. provisions. Woman needs it. We have to yeah. take this on. That woman needs a statue. Yeah. This yeah. really, this this needs a GoFundMe right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Trefethen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Trefethen, I remember. I mean, that's a hero right there. Yeah, she was yeah. a hero. She could have very easily been killed. She yeah. didn't know what the results of that were going to be. Yeah. Luckily, they were in a hurry, and they... Couldn't um, retaliate, so they had mm -hmm. to leave. Yep. But in, in, for her. In, in this situation with this 16-year-old, so imagine, though, think about it. Her father was probably fighting, her brothers. I mean, think mm -hmm. about her, rep just for her family, yeah. just representing, you know, making sure that they had, you know, warning enough. I mean, and and their lives are on the, the line. They and are. They, in Ridgefield, the Keller Ta Keeler Tavern is now a local museum which features a British cannonball lodged in the side of the building. Oh, wow. All right, road okay. trip, road trip. <laughs> I Thanks, want to see, no, I I see this. Yeah, educational markers are maintained through various points of significance throughout the town, including locations where David Wister was mortally wounded and Benedict Arnold was pinned under his shot horse. Wow. Yeah, a stone marker near the side of the barricade where both the Patriot and British troops were buried together in New Haven, a public square was named for Worcester, so yeah, a general that was involved. But apparently Benedict Arnold was there, too. He got pinned under his horse. Well, I mean, before he sold out the country, he was a hero, well-respected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what made him such yeah. a uh, notarized traitor. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because yeah. mm -hmm. all the good things he did, and then all of a sudden he just changed his mind. Yeah. Sold out. Mm -hmm. We get so disconnected from this history. We do. Like we were talking the burial ground in Portsmouth and mm -hmm. revolutionary history. People, you know, it's America. We don't understand that there were people dropped on the street outside or right. you know shot and killed and buried and mm -hmm. you know right there and 16 year old girls were riding 40 miles to alert troops mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's such, such a different time and so removed from yeah. it and really the time was different they were really they were committed well, you just don't get that you can't imagine the whole you know just a whole part of a country or a whole new country trying to to be built everybody being on the same page well, and, and again, th think of how involved everybody was. I mean, we're, you know, right now as a country, we're removed from, you know, any any wartime activity that's happening in the world. You know, we go about our day-to-day -day business. Mm -hmm. Here in New England, they had no choice. I mean, the British could come up they to your right house here. and take whatever oh, they wanted. And I they mean, did. And, and, yeah, and we think of war as uniforms and tanks and, right. and that type of thing. This type of war was neighbors and, mm -hmm. you know, just... You, you were shot in your home. You were shot right. in yeah. your backyard. Right. You know, it's they just amazing. marched on in and yep. you know, torched homes on the way, burned mm -hmm. villages and towns. Yeah, there were uh, loyal. There were uh, revolutionaries standing up to mm -hmm. British troops coming with the red coats mm -hmm. and the in the formations with the guns, and these guys just stood up to them. Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Sixteen-year-old girls stood up to them. A whole different kind of warfare. I mean, you knew they were coming too. You heard them marching and drumming mm -hmm. and fifing mm -hmm. as they came, and like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we got to get ready. But it was very personal. It wasn't like they were enemy soldiers. It was like, you know. Neighbor against neighbor Sam. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yep. Joe down the road. Yep. Joe gets shot today. Yep. Neighbor against neighbor mm -hmm. sometimes. Yep. yep. Kith and Ken, it's true. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. 
All right. So uh, what we're going to do is we are going to take a quick break and we have some more grave stories from you. We're going to come back with a man from beyond the grave in Portland. He died and came back. And where is he now? So stay tuned. You're listening to Wicked Curious. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really want to share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Zwicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Zwicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. Perhaps you are finding us on 102.9 FM HD2. We know you're finding us on Facebook Live today. If you're listening to us in podcast form on iTunes, Buzzsprout, or SoundCloud, please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that way you don't miss an episode. I am Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities here with the amazing Ken and the Professor Lou Glassy, keeping this show afloat. And oh, it looks it looks like we have some some extra commentary there about Sybil Luddington. A commemorative statue, Lou, of Sybil Luddington, sculpted by Anna Hyatt Huntington, was erected near Carmel, New York, in 1961. And there are also historical markers Excellent. erected along the road. Hmm. Good. So, she deserves it. Yep. Absolutely. So thank you for that, Lou. Lynn, thank you so and much. And I wonder how you know, it ties to New York. Well, they're only right next door to each other. Right. So I'm, I'm sure she probably ended part, up in New York. Probably part of the ride. Yeah. She probably ended up in parts of New York yeah, on nice. that ride. So that's fantastic. Good. We're going to get this. What's this other woman's name again? Trefethen. Oh, Trefethen. Yeah. Yes. I want to get this done. Well, there, I mean, there's, a, there's, we a, should there's, take a, on. there's a school named after her in Newcastle. It's the grammar school. Still needs a statue. There should be a statue down by the water. Down by the water. With her yeah. with a hatch, hatchet and a broken cast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. 
I agree. She had a water party. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She did. Well, and that I mean that's what we that's what we try to do here at Northern Curiosities is to bring all those stories that perhaps you haven't heard about to the surface. Don't want them to get lost. We don't. And speaking of bringing something <laughs> to the surface, mm-hmm. we we have an, an, another story from the grave. So we're going to work our way up to Portland, Maine, and um, this story I actually found um, uh, through uh, Channel Thirteen. Very, very well written and documented, and it's um, it's definitely ghoulish, and they've got some uh, ghoulish ways of describing what happened about this big story. The more ghoulish, the better. Yes, indeed. So it was uh, November 1885. Big story. 1885. 1885. And no newspaper could resist the stupendous yarn. It had everything that sells. A tragic death, an empty casket, grave robbing, and... A seemingly supernatural return to the living. Nice, coming back to life. The city's three daily broadsheets covered the unfolding mystery in real time. The Portland Daily Press, the Daily Eastern Argus, and the Portland Advertiser each had reporters burning shoe leather on the city's cobblestone streets, tracking down details and asking questions that could not be answered. (laughs) A day after the sensational news broke in the local press, the story went national. To the New York world, the St. Louis Dispatch, the Macon Beacon, and the Bangor Daily Wig and Courier. And that's Wig, W H I G. Really? Yes. All carried her own. The early term doesn't accounts use much story. anymore. No, you never hear oh, What is it? Wig. Is that just a. It was the newspaper. Spelling of the time? or? Well, I'm sure it originated from a newspaper that was probably well, published in the 1700s. A, from England and maybe carried over here, there was a Whig party. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's no, true. Sure. Which, yeah, before there was the mm-hmm. Republican Democrat, there was like the Whigs and the Republicans, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, but it was something. I'm quote you. Whigs they and were the like Democrats. A, like mm-hmm. a political party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as hometown reporters picked away at the fabulous narrative, it began to crumble, leaving behind another mystery that still stands to this day. Why? So we'll tell you about the breaking mm. news of the undead. The advertiser first broke the news November 10th, 1885. Its triple-deck headline read, Resurrected, Astounding Case of Suspended Animation. Return Joseph Dyer from the Dead. Mm. Astounding. Astounding. The original article's sole source was named only as Mr. Martston of the Home for Aged Men on Danforth Street. It did not say how he came by the information, only that Mr. Martston vouches for the truth of the narrative. As the story went, a young Cape Elizabeth farmer named Joseph Dyer Jr. was coming across the bridge from South Portland in a wagon. Near the end, a drunken man scared his horse, and Dyer fell from the cart, hitting his head. And then he died. Hmm. Three days later, Dyer's heartbroken fiancé and weeping parents watched his casket go into the ground at Evergreen Cemetery. Death usually being a final state of affairs, they thought he had crossed over into the great beyond. But they were wrong. No. <laughs> After more than a year, Dyer's mother began to have vivid dreams that her son was not dead. She had his coffin dug up and opened at midnight. What else are you going to dig up a coffin and open it at midnight? <laughs> Let's go at midnight. Three o'clock really? in the afternoon, yeah, exactly. broad daylight. Not during the middle know. of the day no, when midnight. the sun's out. Midnight. No, well, I mean that's the only what? that's the only time. When to it's got to be done, it's got to be done. What would be creepier? <laughs> what would be so creepier? Quick. Let's get a group together together at midnight. So of course they opened up the coffin at midnight as the bell tolled, and it was empty. Gone. Gone. Hmm. Her son's body was missing, and an hour later, Dyer walked through her door and into her arms. After a year? Mm Mm-hmm. Joseph Dyer, who for 14 months had been dead to his family and the world, appeared before his parents and resumed his place in the family, the advertiser wrote. Upon returning from the hereafter, Dyer immediately sent word to his fiancée, Blanche Edwards... Blanche. Blanche. That'd be the first person I'd contact. Mm -hmm. When reunited, Blanche. Blanche, Call Blanche. When reunited, he saw she was still wearing the ring he gave her. Aww. And they resumed their betrothal without much discussion. 
The advertiser reported Dyer was now back to farming in Cape Elizabeth. Which, by the way, I personally love Cape Elizabeth so much. It's so many so of those stories. Nice there's oh, still some farmland out there. It's amazing. If you have not <coughs> been to Cape Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you must go. There's lighthouses. There's a haunted beach. Refer to prior shows. So was anyone wondering where he was for this 14 <laughs> where, months? Well, hold on. I, where I, the hell were you? I know. It's very exciting. <laughs> Vegas. <I> know, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't, wouldn't have been much fun back then. No, Climbed out of a grave and didn't be. come right home. Yeah. All right. So, so hold on. Here mm-hmm. we go. According to the paper, Tyre told his family and Edwards that he had only been mostly dead at the time of his burial. So, okay, so who was mostly dead? I'm just going to throw out this this trivia at you. Uh, Dyer? No. What movie? Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Thank mostly you, Mostly dead, yeah. I was like, this You've been is... mostly dead all day. <laughs> mostly dead all day. He's going the route of Monty Python. That's right. right. Yep. I got better. <laughs> He's only mostly dead. He was only right. mostly dead. He described it as a state of suspended animation. Mm. All right, so um, the following words I'm about to say, I'm going to be trying very hard <laughs> to get into my daily lexicon. So like macabre, like you know, New England Curiosity is bringing back the word macabre. Yep. I have to bring back this phrase. I, I'm, I'm all in on this. Okay. In a stroke of ghoulish luck, Great, yeah. I'm going to use that. We, we have to use that. Ghoulish next luck. Time, ghoulish next luck. Time, yeah, I'm going to say, what a stroke of ghoulish, ghoulish luck. luck. I want to use this. I'm going to say it one more time. Mm-hmm. In a stroke of ghoulish luck, he said, a pair of physicians dug him up in the nick of time. The doctors were looking for a fresh, undiseased corpse to dissect. Okay. See, I was going to challenge that, but that makes sense. <laughs> so he was Because that's what they did back then. That yeah. is what they did. So he was saved by grave robbers, otherwise he, he might was. have suffocated. Yeah. <laughs> After really? spiriting him away, they Spirit. discovered... I bet their families are still telling stories that <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> After spiriting him away, they discovered that Dyer was still alive. The pair nursed him back to health over the better part of a year before Dyer made his way home. Hmm. Quote, it is understood that the young man is reticent about where he had been and what he had been doing since his recovery, the advertiser wrote. This is very natural for the medical men who got possession of his body in so questionable a manner would hardly come to have their names known. Yeah. The advertiser made no attempt so, to verify the story. So they had to keep this on the down low so of they didn't want to get busted for digging a grave up. Of course. <laughs> Whole new meaning to the down low. <laughs> right. Way down low. Yeah. Six feet Way down. Six feet down low. So we're going to chase the mystery. The Argus and the press had the story the following day. Both papers lifted the main tail, almost verbatim, from the advertiser article. They did manage to add some fresh fact-checking and a snide dose of skepticism. The first thing they revealed was that Mr. Martston, the advertiser's sole source, had heard the tale from Elizabeth Edwards, a young woman working for him. And she had heard it from her sister, Blanche, Dyer's fiancée. The Argus, which cost three cents at the time, sent reporters out in search of Dyer's parents. They were thought to be living in Deering, Maine, then part of Westbrook. A search of Woodford's and Morrill's, which is the names, by the way, corner turned up nothing. The press scoured burial records at Evergreen Cemetery. No one named Joseph Dyer was in the books or in the ground there, Hmm. they reported. Editors of both papers revealed they received messy, anonymous, anonymous. Ron, it's Ron's vibe still (laughs) in the room. That's a Ron thing. They received messy, anonymous letters riddled with spelling errors confirming the details of the original tale. In what was perhaps an understatement, the Argus article ended. Quote, the story given above does equal anything given in the sensational novels of the day. But there is still a possibility that it is not exactly true. Over the course of the next week, all three papers combed Portland, Westbrook, and Cape Elizabeth looking for Dyer and his parents, and they found no one. A few locals say they vaguely remember a man dying after a fall from a wagon, but that was all. Reporters found Blanche Edwards working at the home of a well-known painter, Harrison Bird Brown, on Danforth Street. They described her as about 20 years old, Welsh, Incredible. A sort of dreamy expression rests on her face, the Argus paper wrote. The advertiser reported she appears honest and thinks she is telling the truth. Hmm. Edwards stuck to her story 
but said she did not know where Dyer worked in Cape Elizabeth and could not remember exactly where his parents lived. The Argus went so far as to hire a coach to drive her around Deering to see, to see if she might recognize the Dyer's house, and that did not help. Yeah. The only tangible proof Edwards could produce were photographs of the Dyer family and a few letters written to her from her fiancé's mother. The advertiser in the Argus admitted the story was probably made up, but they kept repeating the salacious details anyway. They both stated that they believed Edwards was forced into lying by some larger nefarious force. Nefarious. Nefarious. I love the words in this. It's so good. No one, of course, takes any stock in the improbable story of resurrection, wrote the advertiser, but it is thought that there may be some hidden motive in telling such a tale. Mm. Hidden motive. Hidden motive. So the end of the story, so the final chapters here now. The Argus and the advertiser gave up on the story after only a few days, and only the press saw it through to the end. A week after the story broke on November 18th, they published an update saying they found a man named Dyer in Oxford County who had a brother by the same last name working on a farm in Cape Elizabeth. Hmm. This Dyer raises vegetables also selling them in Portland, the press wrote. It was a thin tidbit of information, but it kept the story on the front page and presumably sold papers. The saga came to an end a few days later on November 20th. One paragraph item near the bottom of the page, first page, laid it all out. Mm -hmm. The story of the resurrection of Joseph Dyer, as told by Blanche Edwards, has at least been proved to be a falsehood wantingly told by the girl, it read. A press reporter discovered the photos Edwards had of Dyer and his family were actually stolen from a house in Deering, where she used to work. When confronted with this information, the story said she confessed to making the whole thing up. Edwards said she penned the letter supposedly written to her by Dyer's mother, too, and she mailed them to herself. Edwards' parents, who had credited her story the article ended, were much mortified when she confessed her fraud. (laughs) None of Portland's journalists tried to find out why Edwards had made up her story, nor did the city papers admit any culpability in spreading the unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated tall tale in the first place. They were content to blame Edwards and sell papers. A modern search of newspaper indexes finds no further mention of the young woman who made the story up of the resurrected fiancé. Like Joseph Dyer, when the papers were through with her, Edwards vanished. Hmm. Oh, Mm. So what's the backstory here? So, well, people, I guess people were always looking for their five minutes of fame, huh? Yeah, back in the 1880s, sure, why not? Oh, there it is. Lou's got the, it. The dire fraud. The yep. dire fraud. Yep, there it is. Yep. Yeah, lone paragraph. Blanche yep. Edwards. She confessed. Mm-hmm. Why would she do this? I don't know. Did she profit from it, or maybe just fame, or ego? Looking or? for some, yeah, ego, notoriety, yeah, yeah. people. I mean, is that like, you know, a, a fake Facebook, you know, process? These days, sure. Yeah, you know, a whole, you know, fake profile. Yeah, got all kinds of attention, and... She was trying, just trying to get her parents off her back for having a fiancé. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> strange motives people have. Very strange motives. Oh, it's a good story, though. It mm, is. Yeah. So we have to remember. What, what was what was the catchphrase in there? Come on. It's a stroke of ghoulish luck. A stroke of ghoulish luck. Stroke of luck. ghoulish luck. I like it. That and nefarious. Yep. That and nefarious. Now, we have been... First fake news story. <laughs> probably not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no probably. Probably one yeah, of the earliest. One, yeah, one of yeah. the earliest. Although, um, Ken and I have been to Evergreen Cemetery It's a really nice Portland, cemetery. And it is a garden-style cemetery. It's it's. Pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. They Good have, size. It's big. Yeah. They, I can't even imagine how many acres they have there. And one of the features is the chapel, which has kind of like a, it's kind of like a carport. And it's a beautiful stone chapel. Right. So we went and spent the day. This was a few years back. And we had come up to uh, a set of doors on the ground. There were big iron doors, and they had a date on it. It was 1800-something, and there was a big lock and a chain on it. Very weathered, really cool, but um, it was really nice. I remember it was a beautiful summer day. It was a nice day, yeah, sunny, and not too the, hot. the light was shining down through the doors. Yeah, a big gap in the door. There's, really? So there was a huge gap, and there were all these monuments around the doors. So um, I got down on the ground and peered through the doors, and you could actually see there was a staircase that was going down from the door and you could see 
black and white tiles on the floor, black mm -hmm. and white marble tiles. And you could walk through and you could see that there were actually people buried up against the wall. So it was an underground tomb oh. that had stairs that went down. Wow. I could go down I, there and shine my light through the, yeah. through the opening and everything. And you could, I mean, it an was an underground tomb for holding the, over the, the winter months. Well, no, it was oh, for, holding, for that family. It was yeah, a family, family. Oh, okay. It was a family tomb. Mm -hmm. there, there, there was a row of them, but this one you could see into. Wow. Yeah. And the doors were just just enough that you could peek through and see, and it was beautifully yeah, preserved. The, the, the nice steps going mm -hmm. down and the beautiful tile. floor. I mean, it wasn't a dirt floor. It had walls where people were entombed. It was just incredible, and it was just a, a little hill. How would you go about visiting something like that? I mean, what if a family member wanted to? Well, they. I mean, they had. It was lock and key, so I'm sure yeah. you could talk to someone at the cemetery and get yeah. permission if you could prove that you were related to the yeah. people that were buried Whoever's there. running the cemetery would probably have, like, sets of keys and oh, could I'm get sure. you in there. Because you could probably still bury a family member in there, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Do people run cemeteries anymore? Or? They do. Yeah. Um, and in fact, my friend um, Brenda from the Gravestone Girls, she was on our show, um, I think, last year. She g goes all over the country, and sometimes she will post one of the rooms at the cemetery, usually in one of the administration buildings, that has walls and walls of keys oh, that really? open up the mausoleums and the tombs. And, wow. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're old. They're over 100 years old, and they're all just hanging there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes a church might run the cemetery or a well, cemetery yeah, association or the city even. I, I bet Evergreen, though, probably still has the keys to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still being used in some places. It's not, well, it's not so yeah, old the, that it's not being used. Yeah, the cemetery is just this tomb is no longer being used. As far as we know. I mean, let's well, not... well, they were they were all, they all died in the 1800s. Yeah. There was nothing new on that side that we were yeah. looking at. But can you imagine just looking through the doors and, and seeing this whole uh, underground world in the cemetery? That's what we do. That is what we do. We, a lot we, of people uh, don't think about it. They'll walk by. We're going to go, you look, you can see in there. There's a big gap. So oh, we yeah. go over I'm surprised and, you just didn't work your way in there. Since, well, like, well, there are contact somebody. And, no, I meant <laughs> contact somebody and get in there. I was going to say, work my way in with a bolt yeah. cutter? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, strike me as the type of person to go, okay, that was nice looking through the door. There's no I'm bolt cutters now. in our car. What are you talking no, about? No, we don't have bolt cutters. No, um, no we, would, we would never. Um, I, I didn't. No, not with those. What's the name of the family? God, I can't oh, even. Yeah, geez, we have to go look I'd at have our pictures. To, yeah, it's been, I don't know, probably, mm. I think I was just finishing up my book on York County, so it's probably been seven years since yeah. we've been to Evergreen. We've peeked into other tombs that have openings and holes, and we've seen well, yes, we've bones seen bones and, and all yeah, kinds yeah. of yeah. We've we've got some some great photos of of other things that we've seen inside of tombs, but this was just I mean, yeah, it that looked one like we got a, a good picture with the flash. The whole the opening was so big, yeah. And it just lit up the whole interior of the tomb, and it's just bones everywhere. But it didn't look derelict it, it no looked, it was yeah. clean there was that one was yeah, yes there was there was you know no debris in there um you could see it you know it was just it was i can't even imagine i mean it's probably i mean who knows how long it's day. been but it's probably as the family left it you know they enter the bodies mm -hmm. using like drawers or yeah shelves so so picture you know an, an underground mausoleum yeah. with just this beautiful marble floor and you'd go down the set of granite stairs and it's just incredible, incredible. They're actually fairly common. Well, fairly, but people don't realize that because sometimes there aren't there aren't doors there. The doors have either rotted away or they've covered it in earth. So. Well, yeah, a lot of times they'll cover them over so that people don't break in. But think right. about the cost. I mean. I, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a significant building. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And back in the day, it still would have been super oh. expensive. Oh, yeah. It would have been for people with, with money, for sure. Oh, yeah. When you, when you look at, um, I was talking um, to Brenda from the Gravestone Girls because we, we met for lunch at the Grog, by the way, Lou. We, oh, had, nice. gone to the, we had gone to the Grog. I we're, like the Grog. We're, we're plotting like taking over too. the world. And we, <laughs> we sat there talking about dead people. a good place people. to plot the takeover It was. The world. Yeah. It was perfect. <coughs> nice, nice beverages to do that with. Yes. Um, but she had mentioned just how expensive it was back in the day to be buried at a place like Mount Auburn or certainly at Evergreen. And she was talking about today, she has a friend that works in Mount Auburn. And it is, out, you're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars just to be buried like in a main row. If you want to be buried like down the back of Mount Auburn mm -hmm. in a small plot, it's like $35,000 for like lot. one little stone, you know, on the plot. That's for, for the plot. That's There's for the no plot. Stone. Let alone yeah. the headstone. One little, or... Yeah, one little space. Yeah. Like, you know, and way down the back, not in one of those, you know, famous areas. Eh, of Mount just Auburn. cremate me and keep me on the shelf. 
So that's open nice. bookshelf, right next to the TV. Whatever. Spread you know. me a new report harbor, or, <laughs> right? Something well, like that. Well, your Viking funeral. My Viking funeral. Even better. Even better. I think permits that. might be tough for that, but I'd still like to do it. I, I, I'd look into it. <laughs> they could make it part of what's yeah, the right. what's the new report summer celebration they do there. Oh yeah. Uh, um, is it a harbor fest? No. There is a Harbor Fest, but no, you're talking about Yankee Homecoming. Yes, that, yep. that'd be great for Yankee Homecoming. Yeah, my homecoming. own Homecoming. <laughs> right. Lou's Homecoming. So they can tow the boat out. Have the, the whole town with flaming arrows and then Route 1 Bridge. Parade of Sail. down as me as it come by. Coming down the river, that'd be yep. great. Somebody could make money off a of that. A toast from Michael's Harborside. There you go. Oh, yeah. Nice, yeah. yes. That would be great. I love it. <laughs> Should do something like that. That's right. Do something like that in Portsmouth. I think with enough money, you could arrange it. They wouldn't it. let me do it while the piping plovers are. Oh, oh no, you can't the piping plovers. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a problem. Oh, yeah. Other okay. than that, though. Yeah. <laughs> the entire world revolves around the piping plovers out there. It That's really right. does. Yeah, no, it does. It's the sandpipers and everything, yeah. yeah. They only close seven or eight miles of beach <laughs> through August for, for the piping plovers. That's all. Well, it seems like every time Ken yeah. and I, you, went, you and I went down, they were like, oh, we're going to go check it out. No, beach closed. No, and beach like, closed. Const- so we just stopped going. Right. <laughs> Oh, it's too funny. And so God knows we need those birds. <laughs> I guess they're still endangered. I don't know. Are yeah. they still? They must be, obviously. If well, they're, they're protected protecting anyway, their nesting yeah. sites. So. Be, so yeah, so they rope them off. Yeah, the reservation the of the nine miles of the other nine miles of the reservation. I think there's nine miles of the nine miles. About seven are closed off. Wow. Most of the summer. That's crazy. Yep. The mosquitoes here are pretty rough after the sun goes down. Greenheads, I must, I must say. Oh. In the greenheads. Greenheads. Oh no, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm we totally were there good. one day when the sun was going down, and we were getting eaten alive. Yep. Well, I was right trying to take car. pictures of the sunset, mm-hmm. but you know, you open the door, and, and they're like they're already on the glass. Yep. yep. They're they're like they know you're in there. They can yes. smell the blood through the car. And I'm told, and this might be just, you know, reminiscing or romancing, but I'm told the greenhead thing is a lot less severe than it used to be, which is kind of scary. Because the greenheads will get you. Yeah. Oh no, no, thank no. you. Yeah. No, I'm totally good. Yeah, they got a heck of a bite too. They hurt. Well, there's so what would we call that? What? Oh, a ghoulishly, uh, a stroke of ghoulish luck. It wouldn't be well, certainly so, not. Well, it would not be lucky to be bitten. Well, no, not to be bitten. <laughs> yes, a stroke of ghoulish luck to get out of there without being bitten. Yes, yes, yes. There you well, go. There you the go. Nefarious little things. Nefarious little things. <laughs> so, against your blood. <laughs> Just the females too. Oh, jeez, right. of yeah. course. <laughs> so we do have a couple of events that are coming up that we wanted to share with you before we finish up today. Of course, coming up one week from today at the Haunted Wyndham Restaurant, which is really super haunted. Um, we are teaming up with the Moon Ghost Project, and I will be doing a haunted dinner talk. So you can get steak tips, or you can get some yummy chicken, and get to hear about witchcraft in new england outside of salem massachusetts people who are wrongly accused of witchcraft and the ghost stories and superstitions that were left in their wake it's one of my favorite presentations to do so nice old haunted house Mm -hmm. so if you're not doing anything next monday night come and join us and tickets for that are actually at the new england ghost project so letter n letter e ghostproject.com it's quite affordable for a fun evening of entertainment and then that's always a good time. It's always a good time. And then that Friday, we'll be doing a rare investigation, which again, we only do a few of these a year over at the Old South Meeting House along Porces Waterfront in Ye Oldie Red Light District. Mm-hmm. And um, we still do have a handful of tickets left for that. So you can check that out on our website at newenglandcuriosities.com. And that's always just, a, it's such a fun building to go through, to go up yeah. in the kennel be there, um, up leading people to the clock tower. To the clock tower and. And checking out the and view beyond. from there and, and, and beyond. Yeah. Can you see the window from, that all the girls used to dance in from the clock tower? <laughs> you can see a lot of windows from the <laughs> clock tower. Yes, right. Yeah. I think that's why Ken's up there. <laughs> He's still looking for the ladies in yeah, the windows. Yeah, right. the ladies of the evening. <laughs> now, how come we don't get ghosts of them? We do. Yeah. We do. We have lots of stories Actually, of them down along the waterfront. Especially yeah. at the old Molly's building. Mm-hmm. In that window above, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the window, did the, for some reason, not in the window that we know of. No, all you can see in that window is a staircase but over on Bow Street. Like, again, the old Molly's building. They'll oh, be the wa- old Molly's they'll, building. They'll oh, be yeah. waving out the window at passersby mm-hmm. still. You can't swing a dead cat without 
hitting a ghost at Molly's. <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah. That is very true. <laughs> so, of course, make sure that you visit our website, subscribe to our newsletter, northerncuriosities.com. If you're listening to us on Facebook Live, make sure that you like and follow our page. And, of course, we're so glad that you were here with us today. Hello and goodbye to everybody that was in our chat. And thanks remember, for joining us. Thanks for joining us. And to always stay wicked curious. Thank you.